and all of the feelings of like all of those inward focused feelings and emotions that you have when your partner confronts you with something that sounds and feels painful. I'm immediately thinking all of those things. She doesn't want to be with me. I'm not good enough. There's something inherently wrong with our relationship. Otherwise, why would she even be considering this? The laundry list goes on. And for the better part of maybe two days, I just couldn't handle that information. So I altogether avoided discussing it, interacting about it. And I made it very clear. I was like, I don't think I have the ability to talk about this without breaking down and not knowing how to communicate effectively. And so that's how it was for a couple of days until I came around to understanding some of the ideas, even if the feelings themselves didn't dissipate. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 325. We're Finn and Emma. And hey, that's actually... Not a palindrome. It's a quarter of the way to 400. I thought we were going to throw back to all my palindrome jokes from nope. the 200s. Nope, we have a little ways to get there. <laughs> Till we get to what? Till we get to 333? Yeah. Actually, that's not that far away. I know. So, listeners, welcome, you're in luck. Welcome to Life Inside Our Relationship, where we discuss <laughs> things like this. <laughs> anyway, today we have an interview with Jess and Tyler. It is a fantastic interview. They actually entered non-monogamy in, I would say... They don't recommend this way. It's a bit jarring. It's a bit jarring. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's it worked for them and they found their way through it. Yeah, I think what's actually really beautiful about this conversation is not just that they talk about the, their entry, their, their splash landing into non-monogamy, but they're actually able to go back and really talk through both perspectives of how that happened, what went on for them, how they worked through it how they got to work through it again as it as it evolved not that long after and just really getting an inside look at what was going on for both people as they navigated this and as they continue to so just very grateful to both of them for uh, for being able to sort of dig into the 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 introspection yes no, it was an amazing conversation, so we're really excited to share it with all of you. Jess is also a licensed clinical social worker and a non-monogamous relationship coach. So you can find all of her work over at her website, Both and Coaching, which you can find links to on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, on the podcast show notes. Yeah, I think just to touch on that as well, I think it's amazing when the the people we bring on the show are coaches, but that they've also walked the walk. That that it's not just, oh, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. It's, hey, look at all the ways I've done this and made mistakes and learned from them. And now we can can learn together and grow together. And I'm going to share that with you. So I don't know. I just, I can really appreciate that. Yeah, me too. You too? Yeah, me too. Because maybe because we're we're both working on the coaching route and we've made some mistakes (laughs) ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, because the life is about learning and growth. 
and mistakes, and it all happens. And doing it over and over. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again, Jess and Tyler, for coming on the podcast, sharing your story. And with that, anyone who is a premium subscriber, we'll jump right into the interview with them now. And for anyone else, we're going to go through our announcements. First announcement being, how the hell do you get rid of these announcements? Well, that would be to sign up for the premium subscription, which you can do right on our homepage, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You scroll down to the bottom, you click the button that is pretty freaking obvious, and for $4 a month or $40 a year, you don't have to listen to us talk to you about all of the amazing things that we're doing. (laughs) It's that simple. It's that simple. (laughs) Next up, you can sign up for our next virtual meet and greet, which will be February 17th. You can sign up on our website on the homepage there. There's a banner at the top. We just had a virtual meet and greet last weekend, and it was amazing. We had such a fun time talking and meeting with all of the people there. We put you in Zoom breakout rooms and give you a talking point. It's just such a great way to meet people and low pressure, too. I try to amp up the pressure, but we still keep it pretty low. (laughs) (laughs) Don't scare people. Scary. So sign up for our next one, February 17th. And many of the people who were on that virtual meet and greet actually made their way into the community, which we also tell you about every week because it is our lifeblood. We absolutely love it. And so... If you're looking for people like you who are open-minded, exploring non-monogamy, maybe you're brand new, maybe you've been doing it forever and ever, it doesn't matter. You are welcome all the same. It is a place of love, support, care, and friendship. Yeah, for sure. And a bit of sexiness. All of it. All of it. So you can find out more at our website. Again, you already know how to get there. Click on the community tab this time. You'll find an application, which will just take you a few minutes. And then for five bucks a month, you get to be a part of all of the goodness, the men's groups, the women's groups, the monthly calls, all the love. Yes. We'll see you there. And last but not least, we wanted to take a moment to tell you about our favorite way to get tested for STIs. It's the service that Finn and I use, stdcheck.com. You can use the links on our website under the resources page to get $10 off making a 10-panel test, only $129. And the best part is using those links also supports the podcast, supports the show, and we really, really appreciate it. I would argue that the best part is you actually know your sexual health status. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. The that's, best part for valid. us, the best part for our bank accounts is that... <laughs> I was trying to be excited about like the point of using the links is to get a discount and to support us. I know. That's all. And you support the greater non-monogamy community and all of your amazing partners and potential partners by knowing your sexual health status. Yeah, we're huge <laughs> sexual health advocates, of course. And I didn't mean Poor to Emma's skim, here feeling like, skim feeling over like that. I just threw her under the bus. You did, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, moving on. Moving right along. I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we would love to have you reach out to us. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail if you would like to come on the show. If you would like to throw me under the bus on behalf of Emma, I welcome that as well. Go for it. Go for it. She's inviting it. Or if you maybe have a question for our Ask Us Anything episodes that I'm recording monthly with Misha, we just had one last week. You can check out a little bit more about that. You can find that all on our Contact Us page on our website. You know how to get there. And with that, we're going to jump into this amazing conversation with Jess and Tyler. Let's go. Welcome, Jess and Tyler, to the podcast. We're super excited to have you two here today. We're excited to meet you both and just talk about 
know, talk about all your dirty relationship gossip. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. We'd love for you to start just by introducing yourself to so whatever level you feel comfortable doing so. Yeah, um, I'm Jess. I'm a therapist and a relationship coach and a dog mom. And hopefully the dog will not be making an interlude here. <laughs> and um, yeah, I am happy to be here. Hi there. Uh, my name is Tyler. Um, I am the loving spouse of Jess. And I am a doggy dad. <laughs> and I like to read and play guitar. Cool. Hence all the guitars hanging on the wall behind you. Yeah. Yeah. There's two of them. Yeah. That's, I love it. Amazing. Well, we are here seemingly because of non-monogamy and relationships, and we would love to maybe just hear a little bit about what the relationship dynamic looks like between the two of you today, and then we're going to go back in time and figure out how we got here. So what, is it, what does it look like today for the two of you, whether it's non-monogamy or not? Perhaps, perhaps we've drifted away or not gotten there yet. Yeah. So at this point, we are in like an N or Z um, polycule formation. So I, we both have two partners, each other and another partner, but they are not together. So hence the N okay. or the Z. Um, yeah. So I, he and I have been together. How long have we been together now? Almost. Come on, brain. Oh, my gosh. Over nine years together, married over six years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've been with my other partner for uh, over a year and a half now. Yeah. And then you and your partner have been together s seven months-ish. Seven, months. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And when, just backing us up, Nine years ago, were you two open from the beginning, or was this something that that came into your world? No, just nope, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, this was this was not a topic of discussion that I think existed for either of us. Um, it was definitely a let's call it a unique find somewhere along the path of our relationship mm -hmm. that eventually kind of. We did very briefly have like a two sentence. Uh, I remember one of the first dates we had mm. where he's from, we were sitting by the riverbank and talking about like a lot of pretty like personal stuff that we were kind of surprised that we were talking about like so early on in a relationship. And we did for a second there. I think I asked you maybe, do you think monogamy is natural? like biologically oh, natural. And we both said no, um, but there was no like discussion any further than that. Did, did, did either of you have like a, a worldview that included non-monogamy leading up to getting together? No. Now we're both from pretty conservative areas and we're, I think we are both raised like fairly conservatively, depending on which parents. We have a lot of parents. Um, depending on which parents you focus on, more or less conservative. I don't think, I mean, I think as a therapist, like we got together before I had my master's and everything. I was still in college, but I think like as a therapist, like it was thrown in there somewhere, right? With like probably thrown in with like sexuality, even though it's not all the same. But, um, but yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I really 
knew. Like I, I think I knew swinging was a thing, but I don't think I really knew much else past that. Like when we started dating. No, I was in the same boat. I, I was aware of the concept of swinging and I was aware loosely that, um, I mean, everybody I think is aware when they start relationships of, you know, cheating is technically non-monogamy, but mm-hmm. it is the most toxic form of it. Um, I think that to me, it was either swinging, which is purely sexually based largely, um, and then cheating. So there was no like middle ground between those two. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, so true for so many of us is yeah. that there's, yeah, you, it's, you either hear about it when it's a huge problem or something's blown up and it gets, it gets vilified or yeah, it's, it's just hedonistic you know, and nothing wrong with being hedonistic, but there's, there's so much room for gray and color within that. Yeah. I think the only other, now that I'm thinking probably, I mean, I guess I was aware of this. I had watched, we all bring this up and it's such a terrible example, but I had watched Sister Wives, um, the show. Um, I'm sure every, every third person says that, but so I had watched that and I do remember now being very interested in that show, but like from a, I was a sociology major undergrad. So I was like, this is fascinating, right? Like how these people live, why they make the choices they make that I don't, I definitely did not at all have the frame of like, this is polygamy. This is at least in the show, largely based in patriarchal culture, mm-hmm. top down, all that polyamory is different. You know, I had none of that. So I just remember like watching it. So I guess I knew in some way that like there were like multiple marriages, but I think I just associated that with like the LDS church and, and yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so so interesting too. Like where where different uh, societal, I guess where we ping in in different societal in our cultures and what what pings us and resonates with us throughout throughout our life and where it takes us. And so, as you two continue in your relationship, when did it come up again? The unique find in conversation. Do you want to do this or should I? No, you can. <laughs> So (laughs) this is one of those things that I get to dangle over her head forever. But not really, because that's not Um, healthy. I know it's not (laughs) healthy, but I do get to point it out every once in a while. Um, Jess brought this up to me in arguably the worst possible way. I don't know about that. Uh, Well, okay. (laughs) It was not great. The second worst possible way. Um, It was... Summer May of, of 21? 21, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And she was upstairs doing something, and I was downstairs with the old dog and just kind of hanging out. I think it was like a Saturday or a Sunday. And she calls me upstairs and says, Hey, can you come upstairs real quick? I want to show you something. And in my mind, I'm like, Okay. She probably wants to show me something she wants to buy. That happens quite regularly. Um, and I come upstairs and she's laying on the guest bed and she just goes, I want to show you something on my phone and I don't know how you're going to react to it. And she, I go, okay. And she handed me the phone and what was on the screen was a Bumble dating profile that she had filled out. Now it was clear that she had not activated the profile. There were no matches or messages. She was not publicly or actively engaged in seeking someone out. 
but she showed it to me and followed it up with the question of, what do you think? And that's all she gave me. And I went, in my brain, my first thought was, well, we met on Tinder um, completely by accident. And I was thinking maybe she was looking through Tinder to see if she could find like our original messages with each other because once you delete them, they just kind of vanish. And I thought, well, maybe there's a chance that some of those are still hanging around because I know we talked about some goofy things. There was some cute stuff in there. And I thought maybe she's just like nostalgic for it and wants to see if she can find it. No, it's Bumble, which is an altogether totally different app. And I go, it's a dating profile with your name and pictures on it. What am I supposed to do with that information? And then she slowly went through the process of trying to explain to me that she um, has been interested in the possibility of dating women, um, which I've known for a long time that she, at least at the time, identified as bisexual and had this vision of herself exploring that, although she has never really gotten excuse me, the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. And so she went down that path and explained it to me. And all of the feelings of like all of those inward focused feelings and emotions that you have when your partner confronts you with something that sounds and feels painful. I'm immediately thinking all of those things. She doesn't want to be with me. I'm not good enough. There's something inherently wrong with our relationship. Otherwise, why would she even be considering this? The laundry list goes on. Um, And for the better part of maybe two days, I just couldn't handle that information. So I altogether avoided discussing it, interacting about it. And I made it very clear. I was like, I don't think I have the ability to talk about this without breaking down and not knowing how to communicate effectively. And so that's how it was for a couple of days until I came around to understanding some of the ideas, even if the feelings themselves didn't dissipate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just want to say, like, I give you both um, like a ton of credit. Like, first of all, I mean, Tyler, to be able to just say, I'm going to shut down and go inward just for a few days to collect, like, hu- huge, yeah. like, huge recognition yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and to, like, like, is it a great way? I would probably not put it in the top five best ways to do it. But, <laughs> but also, what do we get taught? Like, there's no... There's no framework out there that that you don't learn this in any sex ed or relationship class. How do you bring this stuff up? And so we're just like, I I would just I'm curious, Jess, for for you on your side, like what like the lead up to that, and not to vilify you, but just I imagine there was a lot of thought and care that went into how am I going to do this like, and anxiety? <laughs> yeah, you don't accidentally make a Bumble profile. Like there's clearly no, no. intention. Yeah. So I part of like our whole story and now being a nominate relationship coach, like I obviously would never ever suggest that someone tell their partner in this way, which is part of the reason I do what I do because, you know, I would like to help people figure out how to do this in a better way. Because like you said, like there is no framework, like nobody, I feel like we barely even get any kind of direct teaching, if you want to call it that, about like how to bring up any hard conversation with your partner. Like mm-hmm. there's yeah. barely even like 
I don't think my parents or any societal thing had ever like said, you know, you're going to have your you're married or you're in a long-term relationship, you're going to have hard times. But if there's something really big and scary you have to bring up, here's how to do it. I don't think that was ever a thing. So never mind this, like this is a whole <laughs> other thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So for me, yeah, basically it was, it's so funny, like fun hearing it from his like perspective, but he's like spot on. I, Basically, like, we're in the pandemic still, right? And I'm, like, glued to my phone. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was actually coming up more. I was just noticing a lot more content around polyamory non-monogamy on, like, Snapchat channels of, like, love doesn't judge and those kind of things. And then I started, like, Googling and trying to find reputable sources and all of that. And I just it wouldn't leave my head. And I was like, I gotta, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I definitely want to do this or what, but I got to figure out, I got to figure something out. So for me, it was like, I need to, I need to see what it's like to put my face, my first name and a sentence in front of my face on this phone and have a tangible thing and like see how that sits in my body basically like do I look at that and go hell no like what am I thinking right or do I look at that and go oh my god shit like I need to you know talk about this so yeah I would I would never I I would la- love to say I would never cheat although in another lifetime I don't know but I would, it was not public. I had not activated it. No one could swipe on me, anything like that. It just for me was like, I need to know what this feels like to write a sentence that says like, I'm married and polyamorous or I'm married and looking for whatever, um, just to kind of like see what it felt like. So that is what I did. And then the bringing it to him, I honestly think I blacked most of it out. I was just sitting there panicking but also thinking like it's not leaving like you got to do something and I knew I knew a hundred percent I was a hundred percent sure that he would not yell at me or like that was not going to be the reaction like I knew that we had a good thing and that we had trust and communication and all that stuff so I never thought like oh he's gonna like think I'm a bad person or something like that. I think the reaction I got is about what I kind of thought knowing him. Um, He's an internal processor. I am very much a verbal processor. So honestly, it was like as good a reaction as I could ask for. Like what else are you supposed to ask for and want from someone? Like it's not as if you're most of the time, at least I tell people, you're not probably going to say this to your partner and they're going to go, oh my gosh, I've just been researching the same thing for the past week. We should do it. Like, that's probably not going to happen. So here's my Bumble profile. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, so funny. I wanted to show you this. Yeah. Probably not. Or I'm so excited. Let's jump on in. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's probably almost never going to be what happened. Unless of course people like talk about this from the very beginning, which I do think there are couples who do that now, which I love. Um, Love that for them. But yeah, I. And I'm like a very anxious person at baseline. So this was like, 
oh my God. Like it was like my whole body was on fire. I was like complete panic, probably had tunnel vision, whole thing. But I mean, he handled it as well as I think anyone could have in that moment. Yeah. That's amazing. I appreciate you both sharing because I think this, right, and we, we've interviewed a lot of people who who have cheated on their partners. And it's one of the things that, that I love doing, and I, I know Emma does as well, is there's there's always room for the person who got cheated on to share how how it felt to them. But the what was really going on for the other person, because usually it's not, I just want to inflict pain. I want to make you feel like shit. Like those are usually never the motivations usually. And so, especially if they're wind up on our show, they're typically, typically not the motivation. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but I just, I, I love, I love hearing that because like clearly it hurts and clearly it's scary and it triggers all of that. And, and often on the other side, the other person is scared and hurt and you're just like two scared, hurt people not knowing how to talk to each other. And like, mm-hmm. what a shitty, scary place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think what triggered this, the shift um, as she said, I am very much an internal processor, but usually that means that in the immediate moment, I take all of that information and I hold it in my brain and then I process it in my brain while she's still here. And then later when I leave the room or leave the, the building or take drive somewhere to run errands or something like that, I verbally process out loud by myself in my car. And sometimes that turns into I got to ask somebody else about this. Let me, let me get a sounding board and see how this, how, if what I'm saying makes sense. But normally I found that having those conversations out loud and processing the thoughts in order in terms of like how severe the feelings are and what is causing them by myself allows me to process and get through that stuff. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, the second day when I wasn't sure how I was going to reapproach the subject, I think I was getting groceries and I was driving and I hit a red light and I stopped and I started running through those thoughts out loud to myself. Um, not crazy. I don't answer my own questions. Um, but no judgment. You can answer them I, too. That's fine. Yeah, I got to the point where I, I looked at what is it that she's like, I feel all of these things, but what is it she's asking for? And can I even provide that for her? And when I looked at it, I was like, wait. She wants to date women and explore her her sexuality in terms of women. I'm not a woman. I can't provide any of those things. I can pretend or I can try, but there's no like it's not the same. So her asking me for something that I am incapable of providing doesn't necessarily make all of those extra feelings feel as severe because it's like it's not like she's saying I just want a different partner. I just don't like, I want a different partner. It can't be you though. Like yeah. that's not what she's saying. She's saying, I need to explore this for myself and see if this is a part of my identity. And I can't give that to her no matter how hard I try. So maybe all these inward thoughts and feelings are not as crushing as they appeared to be when she first brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think from there, which like I'm sure we'll get to, but from there, there was like a ton of like conversation and de- like personal, like individual development and as a couple in terms of like, okay, so now when Jess says she wants to date men, how do we feel now? And, um, you know, when, I mean, I think, and I think this is like something 
that I try so hard to highlight in my work too is like, this is freaking hard. And so like you're going to do, say, think things that are not particularly ethical in the beginning because this is a whole new world. So like we in our relationship now don't do the whole like, in my opinion, like sexist, you can only be with women but not men thing. But of course, in the beginning, like that's the only way he can make sense of this is Mm -hmm. like, well, I can't give, I literally, I don't have the parts. Like I cannot do what she, you know, what she wants. And, and I, I think he also knew like I had been like fairly sexually conservative as well before we got together. So I really had never had an opportunity to explore that with women at all. So I think that was part of it too. And then of course, from there, like going forward, we had to do a lot of like, okay, what were some of the things that we did and said in the beginning that we no longer like ascribe to or believe in? But mm-hmm. so, yeah. so true is that those early days were just like, yeah, you're, it's the wild west. You're like, I don't know. It's fine if it's these people, but not these people. And then later on, you're like, no, that wasn't that wasn't ideal. Now we've got to like undo and we've got to talk about it and reestablish new because I think so many of those and I know my brain, something could get said. And even though it's clearly you know, a decade later that that's no longer true. I'm like, well, but it was said, you know, we said those things a decade ago and we haven't unsaid them. And so it's Emma's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> so it's it is the things from ten years ago still haunt me. <laughs> yeah. So I just that's really relatable, and I'm I'm curious. I know we jumped you jumped a little bit into like introducing other partners beyond just exploring your bisexuality, but I'm I want to get there. I'm just curious, like what happened then on day three? You said you you went day one, day two. You have the conversation in the car. What what? happens on day three and and trajectory yeah into the following days yeah well after i figured out that i couldn't provide what she was asking me for um we i think we ended up just sitting at the table over lunch and she had at that point she had spent the last two days looking at all types of all the resources that she could find that were available on the different types of non-monogamy and I think at that time, it still very much was just def- in her brain defined as non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. And that's the way she saw this proceeding. And so when I sat down and said, hey, I think I'm ready to, to talk about this, um, we started with the very mushy, lovey stuff of like, I understand. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm not t- completely petrified of this topic. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I don't think you're going anywhere. Those initial reactions were purely just initial reactions to new information that no one has ever prepared us for. And after looking at it, I realized that what you're asking me for is something that I cannot provide for you. So we need to figure out what this kind of looks like so that you have the ability to explore that one because it's something that you asked for and that I think is very important to you. And two, um, how do we do this safely, fairly? And I think that's kind of where the conversation went from that. Yeah. And that was 
that was May. And so I think we kind of, I think the end of May. Yeah. So from there, I, I did make, like I did publish my Bumble profile. You did not get on apps yet at that point, I don't think. No. So I started dating a woman in the beginning. So the first couple months were just kind of like, I don't know, I guess we'll just figure it out as we go along. And then we had a wedding that we drove to that was like, I don't know, six or seven hours in the car. And that was Mm. the first time that we like tried to write down what I would now call is like relationship agreements. And it's funny, we actually found that piece of paper the other day, going literally like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. going through our desk and getting rid of it. And I, a lot of them are like exactly the same. And then some of them, I'm like, what were we thinking? <laughs> like, why did we think that that was okay or good or whatever? But for the most part, like our, our instincts were like there. Um, yeah. So that was probably a month and a half or so after. So I was then dating that woman. And that was the first time we, like wrote down kind of what I would call relationship agreements. Now it was mostly in along the lines of we are intending to do X. We are not intending to do Y. And then we had some like hard no's in terms of like folks to date. And then we had some like, please considers like Mm -hmm. this isn't a hard and fast thing, but like, please think about, how the other person would feel in X, Y, Z situation. So I think we did like a pretty decent job. Yeah. On our first go. That's amazing. I'm I'm curious too in that that month and a half time frame or or sort of in the 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 time following the activation and you starting to date, what like how did it really like land and play out for each of you in sort of because I mean it's it's one thing to say, yep, I can support this, go for it. And then it's holy shit, she's actually out on the first date. This isn't either this is great or this is really hard or harder than I thought it was going to be. So do I you th- remember. Do I remember like what? what you felt like and stuff? Some of it. Yeah. Um, as she was going through, like when she was still kind of, when she was still in swipe mode where she was just casually looking and trying to see and trying to communicate with other people and see if they would match. Um, I remember like watching the excitement on her face, especially like when she would get a match. Um, and Someone then, likes me. So yeah, exactly. And it felt actually quite nice to see her feel that type of joy again because it's new, it's exciting. You're like, oh wait, someone actually is interested in wanting to establish some type of communication or possibly relationship with me. That's cool. And then as she started going on dates, um, I would say that the speed at which you went on dates because when this was going on it was maybe i can only really remember three maybe four different types of dates over the course from the time you asked about it to the time that stuff kind of changed and i remember the first one you were really nervous about it you were like can you look at my outfit like (laughs) all, all giddy like oh you're going on a first date again like this is really cute and I felt very like not threatened by it just because as, as dumb and sexist as it sounds in my brain at that time, it was, they're not a threat to me because they're not a man. Mm-hmm. And 
that took progressive yeah. iterations of this process for me to adjust to and realize men are not threats. Um, but I can see like, I'm certain that that's a condition in a conditioned response, especially for women. Yeah. Um, but at that point I felt very kind of like excited. And then when she would come back and want to tell me about her dates, um, I kind of listened like, all right, how'd it go? Like, tell me about it. What do you like? What did you not like? Was this good? Was this not good? And some of them went well, and some of them went not so well. Mm -hmm. And it was more of just like an added interpersonal dimension of our relationship. And that's kind of how I looked and felt about it. At least when it was just women. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, like if I think back to like the first person I dated, it kind of like did this woman also was like pretty new to non-monogamy. So it did progress like fairly slowly because we were both new anyway. So I think that was probably helpful to you and to me that it wasn't just like off like a rocket. Um, so yeah, we went on dates for a while. And at that time I kind of was like, I can only handle like one, like, I don't want to try to be going on like first date over here and here. And I just personally, like my brain was going to explode. Um, <laughs> and then when she and I semi-mutually decided to stop going out, um, I went out with a couple of other people and then eventually got into what was like a pretty serious relationship emotion wise. And I would not say very healthy. Um, but one of the, you know, it happens in monogamy and non-monogamy. You know, you you get into something with someone and you think that you know enough and that it's going to go well and then things go awry. And I mean, I have no like ill will or anything like that. It's just, so I think in the beginning there, it was felt kind of one way. And then when I got together with her, that was like a more serious, like, she asked me to be her girlfriend, like the the whole like thing. And I think because it was not particularly healthy, at least toward the end, that you probably felt a little bit differently about that. But I will say he did an incredible job of like, not that we had these words then, but an incredible job of like not pulling rank or trying to veto or anything. I think he knew that this was not a relationship that was going to last. And every time I asked him, like, this happened or that happened, or I distinctly remember bringing some arguments to him and saying, am I wrong? And a couple of times you said, yeah, I think you're wrong here. I think she's actually right. Or I think that you didn't think about it this way. And he never once said, like, you need to break up with her, or even I think you need to break up with her, anything like that. When I did make that decision, you did then say, like, I think that was a good decision. But <laughs> never, you never, ever, like, vetoed. That was, like, not ever yeah. a thing. Um, Which is really hard to do. I just want to validate that. That's really hard to let let your partner do be on their own path. Um, and be supportive of that. Even if you see things from a different perspective, that's really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious what started to shift. Um, cause I know Tyler, you started to date and kind of 
what shifted over time for both of you to expand and shift the dynamic um, to, I guess, Jess, I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption here, potentially dating other men and you dating too. So the- I forget when you started. I think I started, like, I think I made a profile maybe around August because I remember something around my birthday. Several months later, yeah. Um, And I was just like, you know what? Like, I kind of want to try and see what this is like. And at the time, like, I know that I'm bisexual. I've known this for a long time. And also I've had the added experience of getting to explore that. Um, So when I downloaded an app and I decided to make a profile, I knew then that while I am bisexual, I tend to prefer heterosexual relationships. I never really closed myself off to it, but when I downloaded it, my intention was, okay, well, let me just see what's available. What, what can I explore with this? Um, and that process kind of took me through, what, two really, one really great first date followed immediately by a really bad second date. Yep. Um, and then getting ghosted and then finding someone that the way I describe it now um, turned into more of like a like a, a friend type of a relationship um, that wasn't strictly platonic, but there weren't a whole lot of sexual elements to it at that time, mostly because of the um, the rules of the road that Jess and I wrote down previously. It was more of like a um, there was some kissing, there was some making out, but it I think about it in my head as sort of like having a dinner buddy. Um, at the time, Jess's appetite for new and exotic foods was not particularly broad. Um, and this person and I found opportunities to go out and try a variety of different things that we seem to enjoy and click on. Um, and that's kind of how that went. And then there was a period of time there where work-wise um, and living situation-wise, I was not here. I was gone for just about a year. The lead up to that forced me to uh, end the relationship that I had semi-established with um, the woman I was dating. Um, It was mutual. We understood what was happening. um, And we agreed that there was nothing really hard feelings. Um, She has been in the polyamorous community for a very, very long time, has a variety of partners that she adores. And for her, it wasn't really that much of a a shock. And then I went away and somewhere during that period of time while I was away, Jess threw the second wrench at my head. Mm -hmm. Um, Great dodgeball reference there. Um, (laughs) I I, did mention it before he had to travel for work, to be fair. You did mention it. Casually. I wasn't sure how serious you were about it. And then while I was gone and not able to return home for that period of time, you threw the second wrench at me and I had to react to it in real time in another country and try to figure out what that meant. Um, Things I do to you. (laughs) And uh, all of those feelings that I had the first time she brought it up came screaming back, but louder because this time there is an element of geographical forced geographical separation, which means if I find a way to get to be okay with this and to allow this to happen, 
in terms of like this, like, it's not like I'm allowing it to happen, yeah, but I, you, I think you, we can kind of read between the lines and see oh, where I'm going yeah. with this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There is now an immediate concern of if this goes badly, I cannot help or step in at all. Um, and I did the same thing that I mentioned earlier where I went, men are threats. Yeah. And now it's men are threats and I cannot even provide a presence to deter, distract, deflect that. And I had to revisit all of those same feelings of when Jess first brought it up to me again. Um, fortunately, I was able to figure that out a little bit quicker, but it did make for a really, really stressful like couple of days yeah. there. Yeah. I can imagine that's a, that's a, it's just a hard being away, you know, forced distance like that in it of itself is hard in the first place. Yes. And so then trying to have really hard emotional relationship conversations, regardless of the topic, but this one especially is really difficult. Yeah. I, I love to, I just, I just find it kind of hilarious that you're like, it made for a really stressful few days and i can imagine there's a bunch of people listening like days like that would have been weeks or months or fucking years for me and you're just like yeah you know it took a while like a couple of days and so i just i just i'm I'm blown away by that tyler and i think it's really amazing yeah i know i know i I caught that (laughs) oh thank you i i think it was because the type of conversation was already familiar even if it had only happened once before yeah um the fact that it was coming up again, but in a, with a different flavor, we had figured out how to do that before. And we've always had a really strong ability to have difficult conversations with each other. I mean, we've worked extensively at it. Yeah. I mean, I think we went to couples counseling twice, b- twice before we got engaged, engaged and, and then, then before we got, got married. married. Um, Just to make sure that actually, we and then bef- could meet. before I left. Yes, that's right. Um, three times. Three times. So we had built these patterns of behavior and knowing how to navigate difficult discussions. Um, but yes, thank you. Uh, a <laughs> few days. Uh, it it really was really stressful. But and that was because it was tied in with all of the other things that I had to mm-hmm. deal with on top of I'm not home. Yeah. I miss my home. I miss my wife. I miss my dog. And now it's like, oh, this extra thing that I have to revisit internally and try not to scream about. And to throw another really fun wrench in there, um, I think it was two, maybe a maximum of two weeks Mm -hmm. after he left for work, I broke up with my girlfriend. So it was like, I went from two partners to no partners, (laughs) obviously different. Like he still was my partner, but so then I, it was, he left for work and we broke up like two weeks later maybe so then it was like me trying to like grieve a breakup but also he's not here he wants to help but he can only do so much and we're in different time zones and everything and that was like and I had brought up before you left for work like uh very generically like if I decided that I wanted to date anyone in addition to you and my girlfriend or, and, or men, like what you think about that. It was very generic. We literally had this conversation like at the smoothie place by our house. And then we broke up and then I was like, well, 
shit. Now I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And yeah. And then we, we started, he said, you know, I, I am okay with this. Just, I think to be frank, like there was also an element of, I have some childhood trauma and he was very worried that, um, another like unfamiliar man would trigger that for me, which he was not wrong entirely about. So I think that was also part of it. Like we had worked for years together to try to figure that out for us. And then this idea that like my wife could go on a date and this guy could be a complete asshole and I'm not there, right? Not that women can't be assholes or it doesn't matter your gender identity. You can be an asshole. It doesn't matter. But I think like there are just some things, if you catch my drift, that he was like, this could trigger you in a different way than, you know, being with a woman. And so I think that was part of it. Um, And then we, uh, we started, like, we worked through a couple of things around like, okay, you can go on dates with men, but don't do this. You can go on dates with men, but don't stay at his house, but don't do this. But, and again, like, this is why, like, it's important to me to be upfront about this stuff because like, yeah, so what? I'm a poly nominog educator and coach, but like I did not I had to go through this just like everyone else and like there were things that I agreed to that he said whatever that like now I'm like, "Whoa, that's not great." But, you know, at the time it was like, "What what else are you going to do?" So, we like kind of slowly marched through that and I went out with two guys that were not great and then met my other current partner pretty quick after that. So that was, then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Um, so yeah, that it was like this very stressful interlude, I think. Hmm. And then I met him. And then once it was clear that that was going to be like an established relationship, then it was like you, him and I working through like the checklist of things that we had, the the checklist of boundaries and rules that we had previously discussed when she was just starting to explore it. Um, and we just kind of went one by one. And every single time, I remember you, you always asking me like, are you sure like you're okay? Times. Are you sure you're okay with this? And that I'm not just like forcing you to agree to this because you want me to be happy. Um, and over and over and over again, I had to keep validating that I was being serious, that I'm yeah. not just doing it to make you happy. I want you to explore this. Um, and ultimately, your your other partner turns out to be quite great. Yeah. He's a weirdo, but I love him. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but he was also, a lot of the things that I was really concerned about while I was away, he immediately and like without hesitation addressed all of the elephants in the room and acted in a way very quickly that... I would want her to be treated by anybody. Um, And so that type of reassurance coming directly from him um, made me feel a bit more okay with it because I knew that there were certain things that now Jess is getting the support uh, emotionally, um, the mental health support, all of that other stuff from this other person who is doing it in the way that I would want to do it myself. And that made me feel really good and positive about it. Cause it's like, Oh great. Like not that I'm trying to shove some of the responsibility away. 
Um, but in this scenario where I cannot be there, this actually works out quite well. Totally. I, yeah, I love that you said that Tyler, because I think there's what I, one of the things that, that, that pinged for me when you were sharing that you were, you know, in another country facing this is really the reality that I think so many of us, I'm, I'm going to go gendered here. So many men don't really face in, and I think it's all partners or people in relationships is that, that we don't actually have control, that we don't have control of our partners. We don't have control of what they do. We don't have control of what they feel. But if I'm home, there's an element that like, okay, I can, I can keep her safe. I can protect her. I can control this. I can control that. And you're, you're somewhere else and you're literally like, I have zero control, right? I could say no today and she could go out tonight and I would have no clue. So the amount of control you had was really just to control yourself, control your own reactions and responses, and then to trust Jess to make her own decisions. And right, and she picked a couple of people who weren't great and went through that experience and then picked somebody who, who treated her in what you felt was a better way. And clearly she felt was a better way. They're still together, but you. And clearly communicated with you. It sounds like too. For sure. It's just, there was like so much of that. That's like, for one, I know we all want control because it keeps us safe. But also I think too, in our society, right. A lot of this is pumped into us. Like I'm a husband. I should protect my wife. Your husband protect your wife. And so it's, well, I need to make sure she's getting the right support and she's getting this and she's getting that. And I'm out of the country. How can I do that? And really realizing that like she needs to make sure she's getting the right support and she needs to make sure she's taking care of herself. And so those are just so many of those like things that just get beaten into us for our whole lives. And then you're like, well, I have to now figure out how to let this go really quick because that's not the, that's not the, the structure anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I I could not have been more grateful for the way he handled that and also the way that my other partner like immediately was like I like he literally I forget how far in this was but he literally left work early like took a half day or something to come home to have like a FaceTime meet and greet with him because he was in another time zone and he was just like you know I I'm not I don't want to step on any toes like it's nothing like that but if he would feel more comfortable talking with me like getting to know me or we can message or WhatsApp or whatever like I'm happy to do that and so then that was like me then talking to you and, you know, saying this is on, this offers on the table. You don't have to like, I mean, in general, I think we were pretty clear from the beginning, like you do not have to be friends with your metamor. <laughs> like it's not required. Yeah. And, you know, so I wanted him to know like this offer is on the table. He has said that he'll do what he has to do to FaceTime you at a time that's reasonable. It's not 2 a.m. where you are. Um, he'll he's happy to message, whatever. And they did do that. And I think mm-hmm. I think the fact that both of them, because of like so much of this societal crap, like you said, that gets be into your head as men, like the fact that they were both like Okay, cool. So we both care about this woman. 
And we don't want each other to feel like we're getting screwed over in any way because we're really trying to just be honest about this. So let's just like put on our big boy pants and talk to each other and figure out like if we can talk to each other or like Mm -hmm. if there's any way we can, you know, assuage any concerns or whatever. And boy, was I nervous as hell when I knew they were having that FaceTime date. I was just like, <laughs> I think I think during that that conversation is when we immediately identified that um you are now the victim of all of our joint pranks yeah. because we both are pranksters. They pretty much didn't talk about polyamory at all. No, they we were talked like, about how can we mess with jazz. Yeah, and guitars. Yeah. And video games. Yep, pretty much. But of course, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, what are they saying about mm-hmm. me? What are they saying about each other? Are they going to get in a fight? Are they going to... And I was at my house. My partner's at his house an hour and a half away. He's in another country. And I'm just like waiting for my phone to light up because one of them tell me. And then I literally asked them both, of course, like, how'd it go? How'd it go? And they literally told me the same thing. They're like, yeah, I mean, it went really well. Like we chatted about you for a second, but really we mostly talked about like video games and how we both play guitar and like I think we might get along actually and I'm like excuse me but what about the other stuff like what <laughs> xyz but of course that was just my like anxiety at the time of like oh my gosh could this go horribly wrong and then what they come back to me and be like we're breaking up you can't date him whatever um but yeah it did not go that way go ahead <laughs> um what you don't know is that uh, well, you might have remembered. But I'm about to find out. What, what, either what you're about to find out or you're about to remember. Um, before we hung up the call, we decided what we were going to tell you together. Oh, yeah. And we told you almost de- – we changed just enough of the verbiage to make it sound like we came up with it at the same time. But it was slightly different. So you're like, all right. They clearly didn't just like copy and paste the same message back no, to they me. They basically did. But we we did. It was our first prank on Jess. <laughs> That's my life now. <laughs> so you still you still got to stick up for yourself, Jess. There's, yeah, you're, yeah. Your your two protectors are actually just conspiring against you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, thank only in the fun. Yeah, way. thank you so much for sharing that whole journey. Um, and I know we could dive in and like ask a million more questions, but I'm kind of curious. Like, can you bring us up to today, and um, from like kind of from that point up to up to today? Yeah. So the way I would describe that, um, once Jess and her partner started dating and it became clear that it was a serious relationship, I was still away for probably another six months or so. I got back. Um, there was some reintegration, uh, just like getting used to being in the same time zone, living in the same space, like almost like relearning how to be with your spouse because you've been gone for a little bit. And during that time, um, her partner was very, very supportive of like, hey, look, like you need this time together. I I know that what we're feeling here and what we're describing isn't going anywhere. You need the time to get reacquainted with each other because you've been you've been apart for a year. And he sort of stepped to the side a little bit, which was very, very um, appreciated by both of us. And then we kind of quickly figured out the routine of just incorporating him into our lives more and more. 
because I did one of the big things that I brought back with me was I didn't want to come home and just immediately like slam the window shut and be like, okay, like, thanks, man. But like, bye, like, go away. Um, yeah. Thanks for filling space while I was gone. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. filling my shoes while I was gone. Yeah. And that See ya. was like something I, that you were was terrified of. one of those things I said 15 times over and over was like, I'm so, there is this moment of like, I'm so terrified that he's going to come back and feel entirely different about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully that did not happen. Nope. And we like just kind of integrated things and we, you know, well, mostly was just he and I and he and I, but you know, we did do some things together yeah. to just hang out. And then you started dating again at some point. Yeah. And then, um, kind of met a couple of people, different scenarios, and then met your current girlfriend mm-hmm. in whatever we said, April or April. so. Um, and then, yeah, I think what's also interesting is like, I'm the one who brought this up, right? I'm the one who wanted to do this. And both times, both before, like in the beginning when you started dating and this time when you found like someone that again, was pretty clear pretty quickly that you, mm-hmm. like, were going to be serious about, I also had feelings. Like, it's not like I sat there and was like, everything is 100% fine. Like, I definitely still did that, like, side comment, like, but you still love me, right? And, like, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, we just have to humanize that stuff because – the societal messaging are whole. I mean, I lived what two and a half decades with the same messaging. Like, what else am I supposed to, you know? So, yeah, I also a couple of times through this have had to like work through my feelings of like, okay, well, I think they're probably going to tell each other that they love each other soon, and that's going to be interesting. And just like you know, all those like steps. And then at this point, it's like honestly quite sickeningly adorable um we're like a little like family um Mm -hmm. so he and i tyler and i still just the two of us live together his girlfriend lives like 20 minutes away my other partner lives like an hour and a half but he's been working on getting a remote job so you can move closer and like we pretty much have we have a routine with it yeah it seems like it's kind of alternate the weekends tend to alternate between whether um, you're up here or down there or he's up here or down mm-hmm. there. Um, and usually, depending on the week, you alternate. If you know if, if he comes up here for the weekend, usually she'll meet yeah. him halfway or meet him all the way down there during the week and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And with my girlfriend, she's fairly close. And also, we, tr- we try very hard to schedule our time together with our other partners at the same time. If we can, if we can. Now we do realize that there are certain things like he has pet, he has dogs. We have a dog. She has a cat. Now a cat could probably is usually fine by itself, but the dogs, at least someone usually needs to be available and close. And we've just worked a routine out of it. And it seems to be working pretty well. Um, We sometimes do things just the two of us or, 
Sometimes it's three of us. It just depends on which partner is available. Sometimes it's all four of us. Yeah, we've um, done a couple things, all yeah. four of us. And I think it was really cute. Last week, I don't know if y'all or anyone is a Harry Potter fan, but we are big fans of the story, not the author. Um, and all of that jazz. Good caveat, good caveat. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to a Yule Ball, which is a Harry Potter thing um, that one of my friends hosts every year. And the four of us went, so we all dressed up and it was adorable. And then we came back home and you were messaging your girlfriend. I was messaging my partner and both of them, the two of them said separately that like they felt like that night in particular, but each like subsequent time that we all hang out that we like get a little bit closer and it feels a little bit more like a family mm-hmm. um, and that they can see like how this can keep like continuing forward. Yeah. And so then we were sitting there on our phones, like grinning, like freaking Cheshire cat. <laughs> and then I'm like, can I tell you, can I show you this really cute thing he said? And he's like, can I show you this really cute thing she said? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, uh, I, I don't know. It's so fun to like go through this whole story with y'all because sometimes my brain goes, how the hell did we get from me shoving my Bumble profile on my phone in your face to Great. this um, in like not that long. Like, I mean, it's been a while, but not that long. So yeah. a couple of years, like, like two and a half, three years. Yeah, two right? and a half years. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really know how, how we got here other than to say like being honest, even when it hurt us to be honest or hurt to hear the honesty um, and uh, honestly, just trusting each other, like trusting each other and then trusting our other partners and our partner's partners to like be decent humans and yeah. communicate is really mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. I I think too, you, you touched on like how you two laid a really awesome foundation by you, you went to counseling together before you got married. You went a few times throughout sort of as just preventative maintenance right and i think yep. that i mean geez oh pete's do i wish we had done that so many times right, right? <laughs> we waited way too long and so clearly that doesn't solve everything but y- you two were not just in coast mode it sounds like you were very intentional no. about so much of your partnership yeah we always were yeah. um and i that was something like we talked about pretty early on is like i think it was more along the lines of if we ever needed to go to couples therapy would you go and he was like obviously unequivocally uh-huh. yes um but then yeah we when we knew when we knew we were going to get engaged um you know then we you know put that in on that timeline and before i got married and before we were apart and i think you know some people in our lives mostly like parental units we're kind of like what's wrong why are you going to couples therapy and we're like yeah no nothing's wrong that's why we're going to couples therapy to like make sure like life is freaking hard enough and relationships are hard enough like let's try really hard to like build up communication skills and we still definitely like we'll say something that our very first couples therapist told us back in like what 20 16 or something, 15. Something like that. And remember, like, oh yeah, she said we should use like this sentence of formula or this whatever. Oh yeah. Um, I feel X because Y. Yeah. I need I I need C. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we 
that's a fair enough assessment that we didn't just like, you know, coast up to the like whatever four and a half years before this conversation. And yeah, I think that obviously was very helpful. Yeah, totally. And I, I think too, for so many of us though, right, you said like when your family's asking like, well, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And you're like, no, nothing's wrong. I think for so many of us, there's this feeling that no, it's everything's good. And meanwhile, you're just like, push that under the rug, push that under the rug. And, and so, I mean, this is ours is we were like, yeah, we're good. And then when we looked under the rug, we're like, oh God, we weren't good. We weren't good at all. And now we've got to, now we've got to get good, but it's a whole lot more work at that point. And yeah. it's a lot scarier. Yeah. It was like this giant pile under the rug. And now you're like, oh, I guess we should, now we have to walk around it. And that's a problem. Mm. Yeah. And it's easy to do that. I think because, you know, like life is busy and we don't think about these things always. And yeah. you just think, oh, we'll talk about it later. We'll fix it later or whatever. But yeah, then then that happens and it's not great. So we tried really hard to not have that happen. Um, and yet there were still piles under the rug. I mean, even at the interval, we did it. But I think, I mean... I think we've put, honestly, we have put a lot of work into our relationship over the years and not to say anything negative about, and I don't know that everyone can say that. And so I think that is mostly what I would owe our, like, whatever you want to call this, like happiness to now is that we've put a lot of work in. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It is. It is amazing. You touched on an interesting point when you were talking about like our parents want to know, like you're going to couples counseling, what's wrong? Um, And that, that leads my brain to the conversation of like how we told our parents about this. You're you're Um, stealing my question. I know. It's usually my question. (laughs) Go for it. No, you're good. You're good, Tyler. I'm just giving you shit. No, I know. Go for it. I don't need to ask the question. Go for it. I was thinking, like, how much time do you yes, have? Yes, that was, that was what I was going to say. You're I was good. Like, this might You're be good. a perfect time to tee that up for a possible future conversation about, like, how we told our parents and how interesting <laughs> all of those separate conversations went. Yeah. What was your question going to be, Emma? <laughs> exactly what you were just about to talk about. I Yeah, I, was, I usually ask, like, how open you are you to other people or how, does those, how do those conversations go? And... I would say, um, we would love, like you've teased it already. I would love to for you to just like at least share a little bit and then know that we may pick it back up in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, happy to do that. We're, I'd say to answer your immediate question, we're pretty open at this point. That was not how it started. And that was also part of like our relationship agreements of like creating like a very short safe to tell list people Mm -hmm. that we are fairly sure would react at least neutrally um and uh yeah we're like we're pretty open now also obviously with what i do for work i'm all over social media as a non-monogamous relationship coach so i think people probably infer yeah i you know i don't use my last name just for a little bit of anonymity but and that was a whole thing too when i launched my business of asking him like are you cool with this because like my whole name isn't out there, but my face sure is and my voice and everything else. Yeah. And that was definitely the hardest part of it for me. Um, figuring out how open to be with other people. The short list of names of safe to tell was done pretty quickly. And as this progressed to where it is now, 
we've had to constantly revisit stuff of or things are surrounding how can I disclose this to someone? Who am I allowed to disclose this to? Do you care if I tell this person? There's been a lot of conversations like that. And for me, I'm a fairly open person when I know you, and I'm a fairly private person when it comes to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a constant struggle of like, am I real? Like, does this really matter? Or there were a handful of names on like a separate short list of like, do not tell under any circumstances. Yeah. And we just completed um, that do not tell under any circumstances most recently, like in the last couple of months. months. You told those people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was mostly him telling those people. Those people. <laughs> they um, were like people from childhood and parents. That, parents. We that was the big one. We're pretty yeah. sure weren't going to react well. Yeah. Um, and then there were other other things with that, um, obviously with Jess making certain decisions that she asked me about beforehand when she launched her business, um, she doesn't use our last name, but her f- picture is out there. Um, her voice is out there. Her content is out there, which is fine. And I've sort of accepted that level of, um, that limited level of slight anonymity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, uh, mostly like friends pretty much went well yeah. for the most part, neutral to positive and mm. have become more positive over yeah. time. It was more so parents that was a little bit rough. It's kind of like on each side, well, we have like seven or eight parents total between the two of us. So it was kind of like half, like so. one parental units or whatever was like neutral to positive and the other not good at all in any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, we even doubt because we each have like one parent and partner who's like pretty cool and the other parent and or partner who is really not cool. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it came out with one full set of parents. Yeah. You know, <laughs> of us, like one whole set of parents is cool. Um, yeah. It's, that's a really hard thing. I think for a lot of folks like in the community, because There does come a point, and I think the more that I do what I do and the more we talk about this, um, the more so I'm like, screw everybody. Like, I am who I am, and if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. Um, And at the same time, you know, our parents are also getting older, and it's like, I don't, you know, I don't don't want to cause a big, like, rift. So it's been kind of this balance, but I think we're we're getting to a place where it's like, how can I exist in this person's life but not make myself feel small? small. You know, not yeah. like take away parts of who I am. And so I, that was really our um I remember that conversation. Yeah. That was really our um motivation for telling even the parents that we knew weren't going to take it well because we were just sick of like skirting around their names or skirting around like I went to Spain with my partner and so like everyone's like who'd you go to Spain with and I'm like a friend like no and then of course like my parents are like is it this friend is it this friend and I'm like no you don't know this friend this is like a an a, a friend you make as an adult you know it's not a college friend or a high school friend and it's just like it just got so it got like, pretty ridiculous annoying pretty fast. and yep. fake feeling that we were like, listen, they ain't gonna like this. Might as well just get it over with. Let them not like it. And then going forward, like we can show up in 
their lives and still be present and not hide it. Like we do not like talk to like if they ask a pointed question of like, oh, what did you do for Thanksgiving? We're not going to like pretend that we weren't with our other partners. Correct. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We'll say, you know, oh, we were all together, whatever. We're we're planning. We want to like go to Universal together, Harry Potter world. Like we're not going to pretend like we at least we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. 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 This feeling. So, yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing. And and I know that it's yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear that you do have people in your life that are responding positively or at least neutrally. And it's still really hard when people don't. And um, unfortunately, it's like all you can do is keep showing up as yourself and hope Mm -hmm. that it shifts over time. But I'm I'm grateful that you put yourself like you put yourself out there in a way that like showing up authentically even if it's hard and you know we all have everyone makes their own decisions about how out they want to be about their relationship structure and I think everyone has their own reasons for why they might tell someone or why they might not tell someone and uh it's still regardless of all of that it's still it can be really difficult so yeah just appreciate you sharing thank you I do think that there's also some opportunity. Um, the conversations themselves, like deciding how open you can be with other people is really hard. It helps immensely when you find yourself in a non-monogamous relationship with another partner and that partner's ability or willingness to also be open plays a heavy role in how open you can be. And we've both been very, very lucky that, I mean, I, we met your boyfriend's or your partner's parents and family quite quickly. Yeah. And they were delightful. And they knew about this whole thing. They'd known about it for a really long time. And um, with my girlfriend's family, I met them pretty quickly as well. And they all know. And they were seemingly very, very open and understanding. Their friends know. So there's, there's an element of extra safety and feeling confident enough to share and reveal more information to more people because the whole cool is all on the same page and the family elements that are in play are, are also largely now on the same page. Yeah. And I think we hope over time, you know, maybe some of this is false hope, but it's fine. I think over time, we hope that if certain family members react neutral to positively and we can share that with other family members that they will start to get the hint of like, like we did go to my mother-in-law's house for Thanksgiving, the four of us. That was our first like cool holiday officially. With someone's family. Yeah. And it went, it couldn't have gone better. Um, And so, you know, we hope that like by sharing that with like your other parents or whomever that they'll hopefully over time be able to see like, oh, they went for Thanksgiving and nothing weird happened and the room did not catch fire and like this was not weird and it's really okay. So, and you know, if that happens, then that's great. And if it doesn't, then that's a them problem. (laughs) Such a good point. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 
thank you both. I know we could ask a million questions more, and I just want to be cognizant of time and know that we'll have to come back and and talk more again. Um, well, absolutely. We'd be happy to do it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. We would love, just for you to talk about your business a little bit and get that out there before we um, wrap it up. And I have one more thing to say after that. So nobody who's about to leave, leave, because there's important information coming. (laughs) Mm. Um, Yeah, so thank you. Um, So I, like I said, I'm a therapist by background, and I also started a second business as a non-monogamous relationship coach this year. I'm coming up on a year. And I... Basically, I run a free Facebook group and I share a ton of information. I go live every week. I have freebie documents, all of this, because I really like there really is not, there is and there isn't a lot of information out there, right? And I think so much of the information is conflicting. And of course, there are things that would conflict with what I would say. Um, but I felt like with my clinical background, like I do have like a, you know, psychological basis. And, you know, I'm not just making this stuff up. So I felt like it was a good use of my skills and knowledge to try to like provide support for people, especially for newbies. So I run a 12-week coaching program called Non-Monogamous Newbies, where I basically like help people who are like brand new. Like I wish that someone had this when we were starting or someone probably did and I didn't know. Um, or folks who like are in the midst of non-monogamy and are like, oh shit, we put a lot of that stuff under the rug. We did not do these like foundational communication steps, relationship agreements, all this stuff. And now we're like hitting walls. So we go through everything from like your why in non-monogamy, individual boundaries, relationship agreements, jealousy, insecurity, talking about being non-monogamous like we just were speaking about. And like future planning, thinking about what this looks like going forward. Um, So obviously I'm polyamorous and I have folks in my program who are swingers, who are in open relationships, all kinds of different um, kind of configurations. Um, But yeah, I love what I do because I think there is such a need for this. And clearly by the fact that you have 300 and something episodes and there's a bunch of other podcasts and magazines and everything, like clearly Although maybe some of society would like to pretend that we don't exist, clearly we do. And there are people who need this kind of support. So I'm very grateful to be able to provide that to people. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you for the work you do. And for anybody who's looking to find it, there will be links in the show notes so you can get right there. And my final thought was just something that got brought up way earlier that I just thought was really interesting and proves one of my favorite points around just how we can never be everything to our partners. And so that was really around Tyler, your first sort of, you kind of described this dating, this person where you were going out and just exploring exotic foods together that, that, that Jess was not necessarily interested in doing. And I think this is where there's an opportunity within the world of non-monogamy to say, it's not, it's not about sex. It's not about sex and, or it is about being yourself and being yourself around people who are a good fit and whatever that means. And so what you did, it sounds like in that partnership was, what does this partnership need to feel good? Well, maybe we don't need sex, but we love going out to eat and we love trying new foods and that's what we're going to do. And that's what works. 
And you did that until you decided, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. And I just, I thought that was such a really great real world example that I had not really heard. And so I just, I wanted to make sure it got some extra like spotlight on it. Cause I think it's fantastic to be able to do that and just say, this is, this is my dinner buddy. And maybe we hold hands and we cuddle and we eat awesome food and that's what we do. And it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. Yeah. I think there's definitely an element and I hate, I don't want to boil the entire concept of non-monogamy down to the, the notion of value added. Mm -hmm. But that's just the way my brain looks at it from a very basic building block perspective of you have the ability to find and build connections and meaningful relationships and find joy and excitement and all of the things that you might be looking for, wanting or needing or not knowing or not knowing that you wanted or needed those things in an existing relationship and a, a, a closed monogamous relationship. And you get the opportunity to do that. And there's joy and value to be gained in the opportunity as well as the experience and the journey of doing it. And then also the Hey, I found something else that clicks and mm -hmm. works. Yeah. 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 And I think point well taken around, you know, of course, one of the biggest myths is that this is all about sex all the time, right? Which number one, if it is all about sex for you, you do you. Awesome mm -hmm. for you. Totally. You don't have sex shame. Yep. And it's not all about that for everyone. Um, and you know, it's uh I think we've we we like joke about this, but we've found all kinds of like little things that, that seem minor, like he loves the beach. I think sand is the absolute worst creation ever. It's like the seventh layer of hell. Um, and his other partner, his girlfriend loves the beach. She in fact studies it. Like she, she loves the ocean, the beach. And I'm like, we went for his birthday, the four of us, cause it was his birthday. But otherwise I'm like, you do that. Like you have fun. Yep. I want nothing to do with that. He, Tyler does not want to sit and watch love is blind and F boy Island and all those crappy reality television shows with me and my other partner's like hell yes like let's do that like let's get in all that drama so like even things that are like seemingly small like it's just nice to be able to add like you said add people to your life that you know that you can do these different things with and if you want it to progress past a friend kind of situation that that's available instead yeah. of like trying to cut it off um yeah. But yeah, I think that's a really good, a really good thing to pull out. Yeah. And I, th I think too, there, that part you just kind of touched on there at the end, which is, I find really interesting too, is that what, what Tyler was doing with this other person going out, going on quote unquote dates to new restaurants and all these things. If that was again, another guy, most people would probably never bite an eye on it. They'd be like, oh yeah, Tyler goes out once a month with his, with his buddy and they have great deep conversations and share a cool meal together that's cool. And then you're like, Oh, but it's actually a woman and she's, you know, they're, they're, you know, and it's like, Oh God, okay. That's can't do that. And so I just, mm -hmm. I love the, to challenge those, those, yep. I don't know. Those what, bullshit. Was, <laughs> what was the description that was it my girlfriend that came up with it? And just like anything to make old cis white men cringe or oh, yell yeah. is something that we're here for. Yep. <laughs> we are here for making those. Yep. Old cis white men and their privilege cringe, cringe. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
the patriarchy. <laughs> yep. There we it's go. Not, yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. once again, thank you both. And thank you for indulging that last conversation about dating. I loved it. Yeah. So. Thank you for everything today. We're excited to talk next time and dig in even more. We really appreciate everything you shared. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. We appreciate yeah. it. Totally. And we're back. Thank you so much, Jess and Tyler, for everything that you shared and for just being on this journey with all of us. Yeah. It was amazing, and we're so grateful we got the chance to talk to you. Yeah, and a reminder, everybody, Jess is not just amazing at telling their story and navigating on monogamy. She's a relationship coach and a licensed therapist. Please check out all of her work at bothandcoaching.com, or you can find links on our website at normalizingnonmonogamy.com under the podcast show notes tab, all the stuff. Yeah, all the stuff. All the stuff. Okay. <laughs> you can find lots of links actually on the podcast show notes tab for every episode. Um, also, a quick reminder, our next virtual meet and greet will be on February 17th. That's a Saturday. Come join us that evening. Mark your calendars now. Sign up now and come join us. And with that, next week, we have an interview with Courtney. Courtney was previously on the podcast back on episode 165, almost three years ago. Yeah, and actually before that, he was on the podcast during a focused Fridays, our season one, the yes. inaugural season, because Courtney is the founder of Something Positive for Positive People. Absolutely amazing human, and we are so glad to have him back and to be talking about the upcoming conference he's got Plus, we get an update on his story, which always changing. Amazing. Amazing. So next week, we will see you, assuming Emma doesn't drown me in the hot tub tonight <laughs> after throwing her under the bus. In the intro. In the intro. Which, yeah. hey, premium subscribers, you missed some fun. <laughs> they won't have any idea what you're talking about. Emma didn't have any fun, but it was funny. <laughs> I just hope everyone has a laugh. I agree. Anyway, that's it. Do you have anything else? I just... No, I don't have anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my foot is firmly in my mouth, and it's time to go eat some dinner. We'll see everyone next week. But I'm for... not eating my foot for dinner, just to be clear. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think we need to stop. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.